Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film movie mates, we gap in their viewing history, recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. My name is Hugh Dempsey and with me is uh, Angela uh, McCourt. Sorry, no, no, it's Sam Blakely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's the main character, Angela's Ashes. Um, yeah, how are you doing, mate? All right, mate. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How's, how's they... Not bad, mate. I've had my first week back at school. I love how you say back at school, like like back to school, back to school. It's the thing, like when I when when I've like if I've left something at work, I never. Sometimes I say I've left it at school, and then I think that makes me sound like I'm six or (laughs) twelve. I've left it back at work at the office. Back at the office. (laughs) Yeah, at the office. You don't work in an office. (laughs) I mean, some of the day I do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fine. That's fine. Has it? Have you, uh, anything strange or exciting happened to you whilst you've been back at work? Is it more back to normal now? Is everyone still having to wear, like, masks and things, or...? It's pretty normal now, yeah. That's I mean, nice. even to this extent that even if you've got... If, you, if you're living with somebody who's got COVID, you still come in. That's apparently the rule now, so we're basically, <laughs> we're basically back in the good old days. The good old <laughs> of not, days. Not caring about anything. Any sort of diseases and viruses. No, exactly. Very nice, very nice. Anything I, of excitement for you to Hugh, uh, this week, Hugh? Uh, I, w- I went back to the gym. I've been to the gym Ooh. for the last couple of days. Yeah, that's been... Yeah. Uh, just a bit of cardio, nothing. Just a 45 minutes, two bits of cardio. Did a bit of bike and uh, did the cross trainer today. So You want to be careful with that, Hugh. You know, Douglas Adams died at the gym, so... Or did Died he? after a bit of a workout, so... I never knew that. I, I, knew that. I, I think it's bad for you, to be honest. I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to take the risk. Over 30, it's probably bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever even have you ever had a gym membership out of interest? Oh, yeah. In the oh, summer of 2009, uh, ah. we uh, got a gym membership at the Bannertines in Manchester. Did you ever go? Oh, yes. That's It's where we'd watch football and snooker because um, they had it on the machines. It was a case of for that month because we were going on holiday. Oh, for that uh, month. So you had a gym membership for a month. For one month. Um <laughs> Yeah, we would instead of going to the pub to watch football, we'd go and go on the cross trainer or the treadmill. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, at least you tried. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, and, I, but I, then, but yeah. then my friend moved into the Hilton, and so for a few weeks we just completely <laughs> forgot about that and drank a lot and ruined ourselves. That's also fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, I think that's that was I more would, enjoyable. I have to say. That's why uh, I do so as well. I think. I'm happy for you, mate. I'm happy for yes. you. Yes. Yes. Have you been watching any films this week? I rewatched the film Fury actually, which I don't know. I just kept it kept popping up on Netflix and showing like the first like thirty seconds of the film. So oh, I just don't tell them that they'll think that works. They'll think yeah. advertising and you know. It really did. I, I must have seen it ten <laughs> times in the last two months or something. I've turned off that. You know where you're hovering over it. Oh, can you turn it off? Oh, yeah, on the website, on the Netflix website. So listen, here's a website, public yeah, service right. announcement. You can turn that off, and it is yeah. a great decision. It's up there with wearing braces instead of belts. It really is. Oh, yeah. How's that going for you? You're still doing that? (laughs) It's fantastic. It's so hot now that I have to take my jacket off and just accept the fact that I look a bit like Oliver Hardy (laughs) in lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Will you not look like... I'm trying to think who's... Yeah, I'm not too sure. It's it's much more Oliver Hardy than, say, Terry Crews or uh, (laughs) Peaky Blinders type. (laughs) One of my students said, sir, I like it. Proper skinhead look. I was like... Oh, if yeah, it wasn't you... so warm, I'd put my jacket back on. <laughs> it's purely functional. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that as a, an idea for you. Mm. Um, so yeah, so hopefully 
I'll be less fat <laughs> in a few months. That's always the, that's always the goal, isn't it? It's always the goal to be less fat. Still yeah. fat, but just less of fat. Still fat, yeah. yeah. Still fine in winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but land mammal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still cuddly. If we're being, gen- <laughs> if we're being generous. Um, Let's get into this week's film then, Hubert. We shall get into this week's film. So this week we're doing the 1999 film uh, Angela's Ashes, directed by uh, a. F- film director we've already actually done on this film absolutely which I didn't actually know who directed it for years until obviously I decided to do this podcast Uh, Mm. yeah done by uh, Alan Parker who did Mississippi's Burning and you really liked that film yeah yeah well uh, passed away last year so yeah it was interesting basically to see uh, yeah I watched this film a few years like when I was like maybe 14 13 or 14 and I was, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a good film for you to watch because I remember always enjoying it. And it's it's, uh, it's a film about character as well, you know, that sort of thing. So I thought you might enjoy that. It's not what you mm. call a boring man film. <laughs> um, boring bland man film. Don't forget the bland Oh, part. the bland That's, that's, bit that's why bland I'm normally bit. put off by those kind of yeah. films. We should yeah. mention, despite his accent, he is, he is Irish. And not in an American, oh, three generations ago, my family no. were Irish, kind of Irish, but he's actually... Born and bred, I was born and for a bit bred born. Irish. Yeah, I was born there. I wasn't born in Limerick, though. I don't know shit about Limerick, <laughs> to be frank. Um, so, yeah, so would you like to know what what uh, what the story is? Give us a synopsis, of, I think. Yeah, yeah like give a us quick a, synopsis. Well, we synopsis. Um, it's, so, you basically, you follow the, the childhood of um, the narrator, uh, Frankie McCourt, who's a poor Catholic Irish boy growing up in the slums of Limerick in the 1930s and 40s essentially uh, it's not there's no real there's no real plot it's just it's a biopic basically mm. um, you know it's got some it's got a man narrating it um, talking about what it was like growing up in uh, Limerick in the 30s and 40s and what it was like being poor and you know there's all these heart, horrible things that happen throughout the film and but there's some humour to it as well which you know I think you would have enjoyed um yeah it's a, it's it is it's it's a long film to be fair to it it does go through you know you see him at the ages of like five and then you see him at the again at about the age of 11 and then about the age of 16 and then it kind of ends there um as he goes off to america it's based on the real life um the real life childhood of uh, frank mccourt who uh Obviously, at the end of the film, you see him going away to America, spoiler alert. Um, But he went away to America, uh, got educated there in the end, and then became a teacher for many years. And then he... um he would, in I think like the seventies or the eighties, he started doing like talks and like stage shows talking about his childhood in Limerick growing up. And then in ninety six, he wrote uh, the book Angela's Atchers, and it became it won the Pulitzer for uh, biography or autobiography in ninety six. And then yeah, uh, they decided to make it into a film starring. Um, so the main actress in this is Emily Watson Emily Watson thank you very much yeah, I've forgotten it yeah. and uh, the other main star of this is uh, Robert Carlyle um, neither of them who are Irish and both do wonderful Irish accents in it I must admit uh, whoever did their voice coaching it's funny with Robert good. Carlyle I forget where he's from because in my head he's Begbie Scottish yeah. or he's the fella from Cracker the Liverpoolian or now <laughs> Angela's Ashes Irish and, and it's like yeah. 
the show Cracker, you know, what, um, with, um, Robbie Coltrane. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't know he was in, in that. In a very famous episode, he plays a sort of skinhead Liverpool fan uh, oh. who sends bombs, letter bombs, and uh, he's very, like, iconic role that I think you're also forgetting playing Scouse very well also a 51st state yeah <laughs> he was playing uh, the uh, Scottish the Scottish character in that which no 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 he plays Scouse doesn't he, Does he oh no he does you're right yeah, he's yeah, yeah he in goes that, into that he? pub of Man United fans with flares or something like that right, <laughs> that's a ruckus that film's in my head I really like was, it oh no ironically I, quite like, I really like that but film. now I bet if I watched it it'd be bad <laughs> but yeah of course um, yeah. so yeah that's pretty much the height of it it is a long film it's two and a half hours but it, it it does go at a pace to be fair there's no despite the fact that there's no real plot it, it kind of it goes and it moves and it really does um, it really does like go you know years can go go by it in a blink of an eye sort of thing um, and it's you know it's a very atmospheric film, but let's I'll tell you what I like about it. And there, I mentioned I mentioned something there. Um, so what I liked about it, and why I recommended it, um, you know, I think something that's interesting about this film. We watched like we recently not oh, not so long back we watched I say not so long back it was, I think it was in January wasn't it or February? Um, I think it would have been January because it would have been for Holocaust Memorial Day. Um, so we watched. Schindler's List, which mm. is undeniably a horrifically miserable film. You know, there is it's a wonderful film in the fact that it's well acted and it's a it's a heartwarming story and of survival in the end and in you know some of the bleakest times in life. But this film is quite frankly unrelentingly miserable, and that's it's grim, isn't it? It's bleak. It is bleak. It is, and that's almost part of its sort of enjoyment to it if that makes I know it's it's weird it's kind of like some sort of masochistic sort of way of enjoying a film but you know there is you know I I remember there's the film like I said it goes it goes along at a pace but I think the first hour is very very bleak and then the humour starts coming out I think maybe when he's getting when he's getting his first Holy Communion and then there's more humour and there's more there's more things like that and then and then you're just getting settled in and you think oh maybe things are getting better and then boom somebody dies <laughs> yet or, another sibling dies yeah, yeah or the dad does one and never comes back yeah. and never sends any money and they're poor again and we are like. completely spoilerific listener by the way yeah yeah um, yeah so it's I don't know um, it does it does it has a message of hope I guess at the end that you can get away from these horrible situations you know that's kind of you know, Frankie's always dreaming about getting away from the lanes in Limerick, you know. And to, to him, America's a bit of a sort of Shangri-La, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, an El Dorado kind of place. But it's a place, <laughs> but it's somewhere that exists, though, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah. And, and it's somewhere you can see on film and, you know, when they go to, when he goes down to Limerick mm, and things Jim like Cagney that. films and so on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's great. It's, I mean, have you ever seen so much rain in a film? <laughs> Different types of rain. The damp. I thought, is this set in Manchester? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, Come looks... on, lads, I know an even rainier place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it is it is very strange because you know that it doesn't obviously rain there every day and it's, you know, there's probably hot sum, summer's days and things like this. Well, I suppose that's when, you know, this cliche as you look back at your childhood 
and it's usually just hot summer, long summers, because that's when all the fun happen. I suppose some holidays. Yeah. I suppose if you, if your childhood is another sibling dies and it's fucking bleak, then you just all you'd remember is rain. <laughs> yeah, and it was a really. In, I always think still to this day it's a really interesting choice to do that. You know, mm. to have, you know, they have all these establishing shots, don't they? Of it just absolutely chucking it down at the beginning. Even yeah. if, I mean, it, the film literally opens showing you these like the back lanes of Limerick and. It's just raining. <laughs> rainy rainy <laughs> news, yeah. Rainy terrace and cobbled yeah. news and so on, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing, like the performances from uh, Emily Watson and Robert Carlyle are amazing. Um, you know, they, 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 they stick with you. Um, I put, you know, I've put here in my notes, Robert Carlyle played the caring and proud Malky McCourt, uh, who is a flawed, damaged alcoholic whose heart is only as big as his thirst for the drink. <laughs> which, nice. yeah, nice. which, which it is, you know, he's not, you know, if you know, it's funny because they talk about, you know, the, the the opening lines of the film is the narrator saying, basically, you know, there's, you know, a, a, a nice childhood wouldn't be anything to talk about or to write about. A miserable Irish child, a miserable childhood would be something, but a miserable, you know, a miserable Catholic Irish childhood now that's yeah. something, you know, and that, and it's weird because Malky's never. Um, he's never abusive. He's never like he doesn't hit Angela. He doesn't hit the kids. You know, he never. He's quite loving and caring. And even um, the narrator even says there's like there's three almost like three versions mm. of this yeah. character. You know, there's the the one who's like, you know, got the enthusiasm in the morning, telling the stories in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, telling the story. Oh, what is it in the afternoon? Telling the stories down the back lanes and the, the country roads, and then the but the drunk at night. You know, that was the problem. Well, that's it. Yeah. So in the morning he's telling stories, in the afternoon he's looking for jobs. That's it. And yeah. then he's uh, yeah, and then he's the drunk and, coming home with a Friday yeah. penny. Yeah, and it was very interesting that this character was sort of so. His his flaws weren't in. His his abuse. He wasn't abusive to his family. He he was in a in the end. He is. <laughs> you know what I mean. In a sense, it's his it's his struggles as a human being. And I think I think you know we always talk about what you might like about this film. Um, and I or what I like, and I hope that you. I think you actually would have like kind of found that character interesting because you know every time something happens with him, you're like, oh, not again. You kind of want him to do well because he seems quite intelligent. He seems very charming. You know, you don't look at the two characters, the two main characters, and think, or the two parents. You don't think, oh, I can't see why they're together. You can see why they're together because, mm. you know, he's very, you know, he's quite likable, but he's just got this, you know, and they show it in the film. He's got this, he's got this side to him that, you know, wants a drink. Like when he goes to the... Um, office at the IRA to try and get because it basically says oh you know I served in the IRA in the in the 20s or whatever or in the 19 teens and 20s and I had to hide in America you know he literally says I had to go to America and they're like oh we don't have you on the books he's like well I'm there and then the guy goes to give him some money for the bus back into into town and he goes oh can you give me some for a pint and the man's like what do you mean (laughs) you know oh that's what you're after you're after money for the drink (laughs) and yeah there's a lot of and you the know, money comes through the five pounds for the yeah. uh, for the new child, and he yeah, goes yeah. straight down the pub. Yeah, it's awful stuff, you know, awful. Um, and then you've got obviously Emily Watson in this, who plays you know a very desperate person. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, 
that's that's the best way I can describe the character. She's she's because she's on the edge of starvation for the most of the film. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing to be a poor kid in Catholic Ireland, but imagine being a woman. Yeah, (laughs) a poor woman in you know having to sleep with that guy to. Yeah, Lamb and Griffin, yeah. Have some, yeah, to have some board. Yeah, or just the fact that... And she's, you know, they're there picking up coal off the street to get some yeah. fire for the kids. She's having to beg from the priests, you know, to get scraps of their dinner. You know, that's a big part of the... That's a big scene, because that's obviously... Um, Frankie's really upset with that when he sees that. Um, all this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I, I don't know, she's, she seems very damaged as like a bit like Malky in a way is something like I think when the, 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 the baby you know the young girl when she died I think it's clear that's that took something out of her and she now yeah. she's quite recovered from that in the film um, she's a very you know you've she's a very sympathetic character you want to put your arm around her and tell her that things are going to be alright even though you maybe know that things aren't going to be alright because you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen because they're in these this desperate situation and like even when th- you think even though they go to Lamb Griffins like that's technically things are a little bit better but they're not really <laughs> you know mm. they're only a slight now on the street yeah um yeah, and the young lads who plays Frankie, or the old lads who play Frankie McCourt, they're all really good. Um, you know, it does have a great sense of humour. Um, we'll talk about that, I think, a bit more later on when we do some favourite lines and things like that. Um, the music's very melancholic, very memorable. I thought the music very... It's uh, actually scored by John Williams. So Is that, that right? Was, wow. Yeah, He's done everything, hasn't he? Yeah, that was something that really did stick with me when I was watching it was uh, the score last when I watched it yesterday. Um, so yeah, so that's what I like. That's a lot. I've gone through a lot there and, you know, uh, maybe you'll tell us a bit more when you get into it, what you did like and didn't like. What I didn't like, not very much really. Um, what you might not like, I, I, you know, I know you do struggle to stay awake through long films and it's hard to get you to watch a long film sometimes. So I was, ho- I was hoping that it would keep... Like I know with... Um, I know with Schindler's List, that kept her attention, even though that's probably about the same length as this film, uh, maybe a bit longer. This, I was kind of worried that it'd be too long and you wouldn't really be that invested in Frankie McCourt, perhaps. Um, yeah, what what else? And also maybe, and, and I don't think he thought this, but it's, you know, he talks about having a miserable Irish Catholic childhood or whatever but you sat there going oh yeah this guy's miserable and it's you know it's the 1930s and the 1940s but he's not you know he's he's not in a concentration camp or he's not <laughs> you know he's not it's not this film isn't 12 years a slave you know he's not mm. he's not being beaten by you know uh, white slave owners or whatever he's on not a plantation. Sort of actively persecuted just yeah. very poor yeah he's just yeah, he's very poor. Yeah, as you said, he's in a situation that, even though he's trapped in it he, and he can't escape from, at the same time he's he you know it's not he's alive and he's not being abused and all that sort of stuff. So maybe you might not have been like, why should I care? Maybe you know what I mean. Like, obviously, I, I don't think that's what you think, but perhaps um, building on it. twenty years of our anti-Irish sentiment, <laughs> being friends with me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a bit of anti-Englishness in it. I must admit, but 
that's uh, just... we are shits though to be fair so that, I think that didn't stop me enjoying the wind that shakes the barley <laughs> yeah no true <laughs> or brave true. heart for that matter yeah and I suppose it's it it sets sort of the it, it that was the character of the time of the people do you know what I mean mm. um so yeah so that's what I think um, but I'm interested to see what you thought about this film. We're going to go for a wee break, and then when we get back, we're going to hear your thoughts on uh, Angela's Ashes, Sam. And a promise from me, I will never at any point do the voice. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Nice one. All right, see you after the break. watch this so now we're going to see what sam's opinions of angela's ashes are sam tell me what you liked about 1999's angela's ashes i think the 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 key thing that i like so much is that it's got themes for days <laughs> you know oh, yeah that's not something i absolutely even touched on was it in my spilling over with themes okay what, what are because... your themes then you tell me Oh, well, I've got a list. Childhood, poverty, religion, masculinity, oh, ignorance, yeah. pride, tyranny, family, mortality, and lots more. Um, yes. And probably Ireland as <laughs> a theme. Maybe. <laughs> and Catholicism. Or young, or even like being a young nation as well. Maybe that's a theme. Mm. Or yeah. Nation yeah, building. Possibly, and there's a lot of criticism, isn't there, of, um, you know, oh, is this what this island has become? You know, this new island. There's a lot of that, isn't there? Uh, at times. Yeah, and, and it's often the case, isn't it, with the uh, yeah, where sort of a, a film is reflective on itself as a, as an identity. And what this is is a really good insight into not just true poverty, but generational poverty, because you right. couldn't solve. You know, in, I think it's very easy to be um, snobbish when you when you're in the middle classes, because you see people doing silly things like having no money but smoking mm. and you think well that's thousands of pounds a year what are you thinking mm. and that's generational poverty is what that is because it's you know I mean Robert Carlyle's character Malachi 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 I it's think Malachi? technically it's Malachi but they all say Malachi it's Malachi, they all say Malachi, Malachi yeah. don't they? Um, you know he becomes this sort of chancer and we all know those guys I think I mentioned before Russell Brand refers to his dad as a peripatetic dad <laughs> you know and it's he'd have a bit of money and he'd be great to be around he'd come in he'd have a new car and a girlfriend yeah. and be so much fun and so much more charismatic than his mum yeah. so he'd sort of be the favourite parent but then then he's gone for months at a stretch, you know, and, and Russell Brand talks about sitting on the stoop of his house with his little his little coat and his little bag waiting for his dad who doesn't show up. And realising after years that his mum, the consistent figure, was the one who he should have loved more, but it was his dad was more charismatic. And mm. we all know those guys, whether they're in our family or in our towns. Yeah, who, or everyone uh, knows just somebody's... You know. Somebody like that, don't they? Or they've met people Yeah, like but that. they're charismatic and great to be around for about a quarter of the time yeah. and the rest of the time they're they're cadging money off you and then leaving town and stuff like that and they're proper chances and drunks and imbeciles yeah you know yeah. Um, uh, and I thought that was a really fascinating character as you as you predicted I was really fascinated by that character yeah um, which I thought was great it's also the insight into the the sort of stupidity and tyranny of tradition and older people and schools and teachers who you know don't let you be yourself or feel real things and gave me a bit of insight as well actually into that it's quite a, i mean it's not 
unique to Ireland, but of a quite stereotypical old Irish woman who's basically been a mother to dozens. So I'm thinking more here about Pauline... What's her name? Pauline McClynn's uh, Pauline character? Mc- Mrs. Doyle? Yeah, Pauline McClynn. She plays Aunt Aggie, doesn't she? Um, That's right. Uh, Someone who... sister, older sister, um, Angela's. Yeah. Who doesn't have any children, does she? Famously. Doesn't have any children, but she's sort of been around kids enough that she knows that she can't just be nice to them all the time and she's very realistic about it. And So my own stepmom is Irish and she had a very sort of difficult childhood in Ireland and I felt that a lot. It felt when we met her, I was only six, mm. no, younger than six. Anyway, you know, very young child anyway. Um, and so she seemed almost like an evil stepmother because she just wasn't as warm and loving in the way that my mum is. Yeah. But, but you know... But you know she'd do anything for you. Yeah. You know, but she's very sort of... Hard. I don't know what it is. I suppose it's all... Yeah, very hard. Yeah. You know, like he says, if we were American, I could tell my dad I yeah. love him. But we're in Limerick, so I can't. Because seen as soft as the <laughs> yeah. head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this film explained Roy Keane, because I thought Roy Keane's <laughs> parents and grandparents come from this era, and I thought that's why, he, you know, it's, they're so bad at showing emotion, they're practically Russian, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and that's generational poverty, I think, as well. And that's having to fight tooth and nail for everything, because you can't be... You know, you watch an Attenborough documentary and the sort of the run to the litter mm. and the parent just doesn't feed it until it dies <laughs> because if they were just nice to it and helped it through everyone would die um and so that generational poverty and that hardness and that we've lost a daughter let's just have more children yeah. oh we lost another child well every time we have sex we basically every sperm is sacred <laughs> so we have a child they're the catholics and, and that tyranny and that tradition that is ruining lives you know is because it's because it's, you know, the belief that every sperm is sacred, so <laughs> let's just have more and more kids that we can't afford. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of stick to these things because it's what is expected from the community. That's another theme, actually, I didn't mention, was community and the sort of chattering of the curtain twitches down the road sort of thing. Yeah. Suffragette is a great film for that as well. It's people can't be themselves and do what would make them happy because the community would turn on them and disown yeah. them. Basically. So you're saying, like, the the social the tyranny of the social group you know the what's expected of people the way they're expected to behave and the way that they're expected to live their lives you know that kind of a way exactly yeah exactly I had a friend at uni who was from a very traditional Indian background and she basically said at some point that she either has to choose between having a horrible miserable existence because and then sticking with her family or choosing not to do that and being disowned by her whole family Mm. Uh, you know that that was the sort of ultimatum her family were giving her, whether explicitly or implicitly, that you either do what we want you to do and stick to the traditions we want you to have and marry the people we want you to marry, and you'll be with us, or you know you don't, and we'll disown you, and that's it, and you cast out from the yeah. from the community. And you can imagine how, if you're a, say an immigrant in England or from an immigrant family in England, that you could go, well, I don't need them then. But imagine that's your town <laughs> and you want to be different to your parents and they'll disown you if you're different to yeah. them. Um, it, it must be incredibly alienating I think is what Frankie's childhood is. It's very alienating to have teachers and parents and elders just be so different to you. I often wonder how how adults become that because surely when those teachers and those ridiculous uh, tyrants you talk around about the town. characters that you don't really get like but like maybe the, the, the couple of teachers that you have who are a bit 
the teachers, the older people the, the who are always who hitting him yeah. for doing very little or judging him for having, you know, shoes with holes in yeah. them. How do they become like that? Because surely when they were teenagers, they didn't agree with their parents' sense of that. At what point do they do they have children and want things to say as they are, and then they become I don't, that? I don't know. It's, it's that's. I mean, you talk about it. We talked about it, didn't we? That 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 hardness, wasn't it? Sort of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I think, as I've mentioned I many times, if it's I all around you, Sometimes, yeah. you know, familiarity can breed contempt, and you know their their point of view. Not saying I agree with it or anything, but you could say was they see it all the time. They see this, you know, unrelenting poverty, and then they become resentful of it because they think, oh, this is doing my, this is making my community look bad, perhaps, and you know. Well, what I mean more is people who tow the the party line of really restrictive, basically. Surely, not many ten-year-olds or twelve-year-olds or thirteen-year-olds are very religious, even in those kind of places. Yeah, no, but something happens where they become adults and they maintain that status quo. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is how you go from you know clearly probably being rebellious about it, like all the teenage lads are. They'll presumably later grow up to be priests or at least just working fathers who uphold those religious like sillinesses <laughs> and I don't know how you get from, from yeah. one to the other well, I don't right? know what was the character's name I can't remember his name but the young red-headed lad who he, the, the narrator's like oh he's going to grow up and be a priest or whatever <laughs> you know because he's he's always saying the right answer and he's probably the, oh that guy yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. remember what he says but you know he's the, maybe well, that's, that's the kind it. of character that grows up because the status quo has accepted him because he does and says the right things yeah, he gets the apple peel and yeah. so on. And so he gets the in scraps, 1984, it, 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 it kind of it does like 1984, mm. but Winston Smith, he's he's sort of against the party, but he only really rebels in his own mind at first. And he talks about some of the other people in, the, in, in his kind of vicinity, in his social group, some of whom are so stupid that they fall for every line of the party, yeah. but some of whom are smart and intelligent, so they've rationalised the beliefs of the party to be their own. Yeah. Uh, but they're sort of smart enough for that, and it's I guess that's a good way of putting it, where everybody comes around to the views of the party, yeah. whether they're so stupid they eat it up, or they're so smart that they find a way to rationalise it. Yeah, hmm. it's interesting. Um, what did you think of Malky then as a character? This guy who, you know, he got who, who faced a lot of, um, you know, he clearly faces a lot of like discrimination because he's from the north of Ireland. You know, you can hear Aunt Aggie talking about Presbyterian hair and all this sort of stuff. My God, that stuff, that stuff, awful, so, isn't it? Really, it really gets to me. That stuff. It's like I love Louis Theroux, but the only doc- documentary I can't get through is the uh, the one in Israel Palestine right. conflict. Because oh, I, I just, I just I find it like I'm hitting my head against the wall. This thing of like. Catholicism and I just think wake up grow up for fuck's sake you know what I mean like I know that it's it's based on generational stuff but f- get over it yeah. <laughs> you know like do, like stop being so limited to that sort yeah. of stuff and you, you're all Christians as well <laughs> and, yeah. you know and it, I, and he's it, not and Protestant as well find, is he I find it so that's I find what's it so frustrating thing. no that's yeah exactly but that, I find it so frustrating that I it actually makes me not enjoy something yeah. I found with that I found in the end with that character that I grew to hate him because how useless he became and how yeah. you know Frankie even says um, he says doesn't he that when he came comes back from the hospital he's like oh I'm back you know I was glad to be back from the hospital to see my mum and my dad but I knew as yeah. soon as 
I got there and I saw my dad sat in the chair. I knew that he didn't have a job and I was sad mm, again. Yeah. And it's yeah. that. And it is, it is a, it's such a, such an archetype that sort of, as we said, you know, that charismatic, peripatetic, mm. drunk, you know, and gen- probably generational poverty of really his only joy is when he's in the pub with his mates. He's not really, uh, uh, and so really the hero is, is Emily Watson's character because she's there the whole time yeah. and she, she, she suffers and she sacrifices yeah. and, and he's under appreciated What did you think it. of Emily Watson's character and performance in this film? She, she I've, I've never seen her give anything less than a 10 out of 10 performance. <laughs> she's wonderful. She's so good in this as well because she's got that, and, and interestingly she plays the, um, the love interest of the sort of Winston Smith character of Equilibrium. Yes, um, she's you the know, wife, and, isn't she? No, she's not oh, the wife. She's, she's the, wife. the she's the like a fair she sort is, of person. Yeah, right. And so in nineteen eighty four, Winston Smith meets someone who's like mm. that, and um, yeah, she plays a kind of. And also, actually, uh, in Cemetery Junction, she she's got this sort of spa. Uh, spa what would you call it? Like a um, not sparkling in the eye. What's what's the thing? Glint in the mm. eye. What what? What's the, th- what's the phrase? It's often used for Dumbledore yeah. and stuff. Um, but I'm not... I'm, I'm, what, what are you trying to say? She's got... What, there's like life? There's a bit of spark of... There's a life behind there, and mm. I don't think she toes the line in the same way that a lot of the other old mothers do in this film. I think she... Yeah. I think she would... I think she she would fare well in quite a progressive city. Right. That character. Right. But she... She does really... She really well does the put-upon uh, character who's smart. Twinkle in the eye. That's oh, the twi- word. Oh, you're Sorry, twinkle listener. in the eye. Right. Twinkle. She's got a twinkle in the eye because she, yeah, she's got this sparkle that other people don't, and I think she doesn't always agree with. She doesn't always agree with the harsh punishment of people like, and was it Pat and Aunt Pat, Aggie, Polly McLean, and Aggie. That's right. You know, she doesn't agree with all, all that sort of tyrannical kind of behavior management sort of, sort of stuff. Mm, yeah. She's she's always perfect. She's just great. She's, they they they. One thing you would say about this film is you th- you feel like the kids are loved, aren't they? They're not, even, you know, even yeah. though they're in such desperate situations. Well, by their mum at least. Well, I think the dad loves them as well, and I think he is. If it wasn't for the drink and the inability to get a job, you know, he would have been a better parent. But he was just. He's, yeah. He loves them when he's, but he's one of those who he, he loves them when it's right for him. He loves them when he's in the mood. Yeah. I don't oh think, yeah. Right. Okay. You know. I, I mean, like I said, I started to hate the character towards the end because of his uselessness. You know, and yeah. the frustration. And what I really like is her ability to call him on that. Yeah, and that's why another one of the other themes is that pride. Yes, he's pride too proud very... to take basic help. Yeah, when she's not, because no. she's like, so we're going to just let people let our kids die for pride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and especially when you've had kids totally die on her because side. of poverty as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he's gone with a fiver, and the, literally the baby's gone to bed without food. That it's insane, isn't it? It's so hard to relate yeah. to. It. So hard to relate. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what did you think of the young actors who played Frankie and all this? They all seemed very good, didn't they? Uh, they did. Yeah. Like child actors can can ruin a film, but they were actually. I mean, good. yeah. Like, Daniel Radcliffe's absolutely was... dog shit in the first couple of Harry Potter's. <laughs> he got better though. I think in the by the third one, he was he could actually act. Oh, more, but more like those films where a main character has a has a six year old child and they come in and they've got a couple of lines and you go, oh, that's a kid acting. You know, like, <laughs> it's not. That's not a, ch- a child. Yeah. In this, they would just seem like scrappy little kids yeah. who were. I presume the director gave them some free reign to just be little kids. Yeah. Some of the time, you know, I thought they did. Yeah, job. especially when they were and, very little. Yeah. When they were getting the bath, yeah. he was like, he's showing his bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of the mis? This film's a it is a miserable film. Let's be under no illusion. It, it, <laughs> it is. It's not okay. It's not Schindler's List, but it's not a film that you watch and say, "I liked it because of this." But it's it's definitely a feature of this you know this man's life you know as he was growing up yeah. how did you feel yeah. about that or what did it what did it do for you when i felt like i, f- I felt right so a brief timeline of watching this film basically last night finally went finally sat down to try and watch it at about 9 p.m. but then i turned on the laptop to watch it and it took literally about 90 minutes for the laptop to update <laughs> and so by 10:30 and it's a Friday, I've been working all week, it's been a tough week, I've played football, mm. absolutely shattered, mm. sat down to watch it, and I was drifting in and out of consciousness, so I, I kind of didn't think much of it, and it's because I didn't see all of it, and so I turned it off after about an hour and a half, thought, I can't, this is not a way to watch this film, and then watched it actually today, right. um, and I was from the way I watched it last night thought oh this is just this bleak unending thing with where nothing happens but it's just all these milestones of look how bleak their lives are and then obviously watched it today and, and found much more joy in it than that but yeah the bleakness it's not something I'm generally drawn to in films I think anymore it, this isn't a film I would you know we, I was supposed to watch this film several days ago, but I just couldn't bring myself to sit down and watch it because it's just, I knew it was going to be two and a half hours of bleak. Unrelenting bleakness. And unrelenting bleakness. Yeah. It's just not for Misery. me because, <laughs> I, you know, I get enough of that at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not like I need to, you know, it, I'm not saying that when I watch a film it has to always star The Rock and Kevin Hart <laughs> and just be knockabout fun, but... But yeah, I, I don't enjoy signing up for a lot of bleak, sort of hopelessness. Yeah, it's not for me. Fair enough, so. fair enough. Yeah, because I mean they do it. They do it well as bleak oh, goes. Oh yeah, but I, I, from a personal preference point. In of view. terms of like just the structure, it it does have these moments of levity, and then you know something bad will happen. You know, like the grandma will die. <laughs> yeah, or, someone will die. Yeah, and then you yeah, get this film should have been called ending Angel- where he kind of destroys all the. All the credit. Yeah, this film should have, <laughs> the, do you know what they shouldn't have called this film Angela's Ashes? They call, should have called it Somebody Will Die. Because <laughs> whenever you're feeling slightly hopeful, another child will die. Yeah, or or a family member, or somebody. Yeah, main, someone will get pneumonia. Somebody the, or consumption. Yeah, somebody the main character cares about will die. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think what I think there's about a forty five maybe minute period between like the ant dying and then the red headed girl, Teresa dying, I think, maybe. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's just enough to get some oh, yeah. some nice feelings. Yeah, you know, he's got a job. And and, another thing I think uh, one of the themes I mentioned was childhood. Mm-hmm. There is this amazing thing uh, where a good writer and especially a good filmmaker in this mm-hmm. case shows a childhood that is not your own but you completely connect with. You know, they capture that sort of silliness of the, the, the lads just like just doing silly shit like he's got a stick and he's trying to he's trying to catch a fish in the mm. in the river and that sort of thing and, and they're just being silly yeah, going and, through and, the orchard and exploring things. And watching movies. Yeah, and yeah. Just knowing like their local surroundings and things like that. And talking about girls yeah. and going, well, they've got boobs and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And uh, a little shout out to somebody who I know has definitely listened to at least one episode, so it might be listening, I don't know. Um, yeah. Kieran West. No, he doesn't have boobs. A, <laughs> a terrific writer <laughs> who's from Ireland is he from Limerick he's from Ireland anyway and he he's written wonderful several books um, several you often about sort of (laughs) of actual published books uh, often about 
um, sort of young lads in Ireland, and uh, he's again very evocative. So, Boys, Boys of Summer, for okay. example, uh, one of his books. And I read that thinking, well, I'm not from Ireland, and he's about ten years older than us. So mm. it's a it's a it's a time that we're not quite familiar with, but I completely the way like that how the late evocative 80s, he's early done 90s it. Sort of thing. That sort of thing, whereas we were kind of we born. born in 88, 89, <laughs> yeah. so we're more like 90s was yeah, our childhood and his was 80s. And yeah, But yeah, it was completely familiar. It was, you know, jumping over so-and-so's garden wall yeah. to get to this place, to get to that place, and it was very evocative. Uh, and so a little shout-out yeah. for Here's a, a question for you. Do you think when of the show. Like, Lily's like 10, 11, 12, 13, do you think you'll ever let her just go off with her mates, like, and... You know, like we used to go, we saw a couple of times went up to Bluebell Wood in Murfield, like a good two miles from where we lived. I don't know. I genuinely I don't. Just, I don't I feel think like I'd give her as much anymore. leeway as I know. And, and it's hard to know if that's true or not because we're not and we kids. Didn't so we, don't phones, no circles. <laughs> we didn't have mobile phones or anything. Yeah. We just The idea that we, as soon as we're sort of seven, it's like, oh, well, I'll see you at nine <laughs> <laughs> for tea. Yeah. My mum always used to say, well, get, come in before it gets dark. Before it gets dark, yeah. and it's like, oh, so. But then in fairness, like, <laughs> so see you at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll be in at half ten then, yeah. But then half the time yeah. where we live, well, obviously when you live in England, you know, coming in before it gets dark is uh, definitely, you know, uh, you know, oh, it's 4.30. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you do spend uh, a lot of time. Sorry, Miss, I know, I know it's only lunchtime at school, but my mum's going to be home now because it's dark. <laughs> I know it's November. Okay, but, Sam. Yeah. So... So is there any th- I don't think I will. I don't think I don't know if I don't know if kids now or will have the sort of childhood of that sort of yeah running yeah. around being. Feral. Did you enjoy the the story itself? That's something I'm interested to know about because it's not there's no real story. There's lots of like you said. There's no. lots of themes, but it, it I find it, it was an interesting story because it is about what it's like to grow up in a bleak, poverty-stricken part of the world in the during the Great Depression and the. The, the second world I, war I and do, stuff like that. I do have to say that I prefer a film with a plot. Yeah. With, you know, this is our end goal, because just for the focus of it. Um, but I appreciate these films, but I think in some ways they almost act more effectively as a social document than a, a piece of entertainment. Okay. Uh, that's, but I can appreciate it, but it's, a, yeah, personally I prefer a plot to a film yeah see I thought you'd really like this film because it's more character focused and it's about childhood and all that sort of stuff um, yeah yeah. you could analyse it in school is there you, you know, definitely could yeah it's definitely you could definitely do it as like an English teacher or something couldn't you yeah was there anything in this film you didn't like out of interest there's nothing done badly yeah. you know the, 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 I can't point to a decision a moment a performance a, anything really you know, nothing at all, really, and which surprises me because before I went to sit down to actually properly watch it today, I was expecting to just say, didn't really connect with it. It was just sort of a bit bleak, one thing after another. But mm. actually, it really charmed me, and I, I realised I thought I'd made all my notes, and then it was only when we started recording I was like, oh, I haven't included a section on what I didn't like. Yeah, and I think that's probably quite a compliment I it is, <laughs> that yeah. I didn't have things locked and ready to go on things I didn't like. Mm. Fair enough. So there was nothing you there was nothing you disliked in the film. That was good. That's interesting. Did you like the idea of them using the rain all the time to show the misery? I think it's an interest because it's 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 it, even though it's a biography, it's almost like a memoir, isn't it? It's about a man remembering yeah. his past. And as you said, it's yeah. you know when you're a kid, you remember the sunny days when you were out running around. 
you know, playing in the woods or whatever. Whereas he remembers it was fucking cold and, and raining, yeah. and it was just steel and rust, you know, yeah. awful wood and rust and, and damp. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose because it's a memoir biopic, there are things that sort of happen that not necessarily lead nowhere, but that you'd like a bit more resolution to. So, for example, was it Laman Griffin? Laman Griffin. Was it? Laman, yeah, that's Laman it. Griffin, Laman Griffin, yeah. That I think, if this wasn't based on real life, it was a if it was you know made of from whole cloth by a writer, they would have tried to resolve that storyline where you know she has a cathartic moment where she explains to him that she made sacrifices for him and she's not a slut. She slept with him because that gave a roof over the head for her children. Yeah. Um. But yeah, whereas that isn't a criticism, I don't think, but it's certainly. It's certainly, you don't get that catharsis of that. No. But on the other hand, it treats you like an adult who can make who can figure that, out, that stuff out for yourself. Yeah, I suppose uh, yeah. The, the, the conflict there is maybe Frankie can't work that out for himself almost when he comes in drunk at 16 or whatever. Yeah. When, and yeah. then he's upset about it. Uh, well, that moves nice, moves us nicely on to favourite scene, favourite lines and favourite shot. So, Samo, what was your favourite scene of Angela's Ashes? I found this quite tricky because I think possibly because so many scenes are sort of quite bleak, it's hard to say, oh, I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest but one that came to mind... Okay, I suppose. Yeah. I uh, this, actually, strangely enough, because it's... Yeah, it was tricky, it's, they're, yeah. They're like, it's almost like little vignettes, isn't it? Each scene's very... Yeah. Like, I don't think any scene goes longer than ten minutes. No. I'm thinking no. off the top of my head. If you can think of And you can't go like, oh, I really love the scene where that kid died. <laughs> you know, even if it was emotive. Mm. I really liked, um, as the listener might know, I'm a teacher. I really liked when he wrote the composition. Oh, yeah. And good. the teacher is slightly less idiotic. <laughs> I suppose maybe, like, maybe this, maybe the older he gets, the more he's able to be a bit more philosophical and less tyrannical. The sort of good older teacher yeah. um, recognizes something in him from that composition, yeah. you know, that whereas this slightly younger teacher just sees it as uh, heretical. Yeah. And talks about, you know, you may be poor, your shoes may be broken, but your mind is a palace. Yeah. And all the boys are just like looking at this dreamily because they in that that must be a little sanctuary really. And I think again, you know, as as a teacher, that's probably something that I'd I'd quite like is to have a classroom that is essentially some sort of sanctuary where the students don't have to worry about, you know, acting up and being silly in other classes and so on like that if, yeah. if I could that's sort of the goal if, if at some point in my career I can make it where my classroom is a place where students look forward to coming because they know it's going to be a place where ideas are respected and you don't have to be cool and we can talk about things like that you know your mind is a palace and so on you know so I think from from a professional point of view I would say that that in some ways is my favourite right. scene how about yourself? Um, well I ended up because yeah I was struggling with this because as I mentioned um, but I think it was because it was the kind of in a very emotional scene was when he does come in drunk from the you know when he comes in drunk from the pub and well, Frankie, yeah, always you know, does. Frankie, and he's drunk, and he's yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's like his, he's like his dad, and um, I suppose from a, it's it's got a same theoretical, not theoretical, a thematic, yeah, point as the the whole film plays beyond the pines, you know, the sins of the fathers, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, and you, that's so very, very good kind of code. Yeah, and as you were saying, it's about um, 
you know, generational poverty and it's the son acting the same way as the father and she's sat there smoking going, you're just like your father. And, you know, he's, yeah. if anything, in that moment, he's worse because he does hit her because he's so angry at her about the Lamb and Griffin situation. That's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, it's the poverty is exasperating things. So, yeah, that's... Um, it's interest. It's that was, but then I, I, it's a weird one. There's probably could, 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 gonna kind of combine this. Usually we do one favorite scene, but it's almost. And then the next scene, he goes to the church and he confesses his sins to um, to Todd Unctious. To, 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 Todd Unctious, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> to um, to Saint Francis, you know, the statue, and he's all about, you know, and he's and that's kind of like the crescendo of the film almost. So I think those two scenes, you have to kind of watch them together if that makes sense for them to make sense. Yeah. Because yeah, he yeah. is, you know, he is sad at what he's done to his mother, and he is, um, you know, he's sad about Teresa, and he's sad about all the misery he's gone through, and he feels like he has to get it out. And yeah, after, you know, it's, there's been a bit of a what you call a climax, I guess, in the sort of the themes of the film. So that was my favourite scene. I think that's a really good choice, and it it was it was it was indicative of the investment I had because I was disappointed in Frankie. That he could just become his feckless father. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, but he doesn't, you know. Uh, and there's a, and I don't think he ever was going to be because he's not. He's he he's got his mother sort of resolving him almost that his dad doesn't yeah. have, you know. Very much like Shang Chi. He's oh, I've not as seen much it. his mother as he is his father. <laughs> Good film. Yes, yeah, so I've heard. Um, a weird, weird. Uh, Illusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a companion piece <laughs> to Angela's ashes. Yeah. yeah, so when Frankie McCourt gets the ten rings. <laughs> uh, so, favourite line? Yeah, what was your favourite line of the film, Sam? Or lines? The one I really engaged with and related to the most and felt deep in my spirit was when the kid said look at my bum <laughs> yeah when the kid said look at my bum you know he just he had a nude bottom and he said that's look your at my favorite bum. line I feel like a that, film that was from a really... from a nation that's famous for its you know yates and you know all these people <laughs> whose names i can't remember now shakespeare <laughs> for example what's the guy who wrote what's the guy was it yates who wrote ulysses no, James, James Joyce. Joyce. There's oh, another one. The yeah, Irish. Lots of the famous yeah. Irish authors. And you went with a small child going, you can see my bum. Look at my bum, look at Brilliant. my bum. And I thought, that is, oh, this kid. This kid, has he's got me I, to I a I mean, team. have you got another one? I, I'm not going to accept that. <laughs> I, do, I do have a second choice, which was I was so happy I didn't know whether to shit or go blind. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like Who's, using liberally. Who said that? Who, I can't remember. The, the narrator. When does he say that? Is that when he says his dad says he loves him? Oh, was he? I believe so. I, I made no, a note of it, but not the context. I think it was basically somebody was very happy. It might have been that because he talks about flirting after his. I think it's earlier than that. I, I genuinely can't remember the context. The, no, I think it's when he goes. Maybe to it the, was. Maybe it was in Teresa. Maybe it no, was like, it's when he goes to the cinema, isn't it? And he's uh, eating okay. the toffee and watching the film, and he says, "I was so happy. I didn't." That's yeah, it. That's the context. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I was so happy. I didn't know whether to shit or go blind. <laughs> yeah. and I thought. That's wonderful. That must be from the book because that's great. Yeah, yeah. I do like his love for Shakespeare in this film, though. That is, you know, when he's saying yeah. they're like, does he say they're like gemstones or something in your mouth? And he's reciting yeah, the same yeah. line over and over again in the bath. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Um, it, 
so this nearly got into my favourite scene um, because it, it, it was something I, it was the one I remembered f- from watching it all those years ago uh, but it's when the narrator does say if we were in America I could say I love you dad the way they do in the films but in Limerick they thought they'd laugh at you in Limerick you are only allowed to say you love God and babies and horses that win anything else is softness in the head <laughs> and that's great you know I recognise that kind of Irish sort of attitude to be honest with you yeah like has your dad ever said he loves you oh no my family's explicitly my, my dad's <laughs> side of the family they're all they're very loving family quite frankly oh good, good. yeah <laughs> I don't recognise that, so, that I don't recognise that I do I, do you know what Ireland is literally a nation of two types of people there are those that are full of love and joy and happiness and you know the crack as they say and then there are a bunch of miserable stony faced people <laughs> it's so I wonder which, which side Roy Keane is from but it's such it's such um you, is that a could you could you do, could you sort of on a map draw? No, because no, it's just it individual in the same it's family. Just, yeah, the same. it's individual. Yeah. It's just individuals essentially. <laughs> it honestly, it's um, you know, and Aggie very much reminds me sort of of my grandmother, my mum's mum. You know, very right, stern. Right. She was a very stern woman, and you know, not much joy and love. You know, but like my my dad's side of the family, my granddad, my nan. They're all, they're very, very big hearts, you know, and all of them are like that, you know, they're they're very kind and generous and, you know, they don't, they're always pleased to see you, but yeah, it's a very, so yeah, it's really, there is, and it's, you know, the stereotype of Irish people is the, oh, Jesus, you know, (laughs) you know, that, you know, that sort of thing, but there is this other more serious kind of side to, to the, to some Irish people who are, a bit more stern and a bit more God-fearing would probably be a, would probably, was what we would have said in the past, maybe. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. someone like Roy Keane, who you know, these people who don't put up with bullshit, you know, that kind of a way. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably yeah, true yeah. in every society, but it's it's a stereotype that you don't see so often in outside of Ireland, strangely. Right. And Aunt right. Aggie's very much on that side of that stereotype, which is interesting. That's interesting. And. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's that that kind of, and it's a great it's a great line, quite frankly. Um, did you have any others? It is. Was that it? So anyone have written down? Wrote there was down, lots. Actually. I mean, this uh, film it's very witty. It film, is a very funny. It is very funny. I really like the one when she's when Aunt Aggie's trying to brush Frankie's hair on his communion. She just says, <laughs> "It's the north of Ireland in you. It's a, it attracts the dirt. <laughs> You've hair like a Presbyterian." <laughs> and then she goes, "If your mother had married a good." Catholic man from Limerick and she gives out to him yeah I really liked that bit um, but there's lo- it's just full of classic sort of you know one liners um, I'm going to go on the IMDB and read a couple here because they're just they're just <laughs> uh, you know there's just so many good ones let me have a look um, I mean I quite like I wouldn't give the the English the steam off my pitch yeah yeah that's quite nice yeah, it is. It is a. It's a funny film, and actually, there's quite a few lines that aren't on the MDB that I certainly think could be, but can't recite off the top of my head. Here, so, for example, the one I, the one I, the one I said, you know, about uh, yeah. there wasn't, sh- didn't know whether I should shit or go blind, isn't actually on the MDB. No, there's a lot missing off it. Actually, it's a bit annoying. But there's one here mm-hmm. where um, you know Malky says. It's poor I am. It's unlucky I am, but it's useless I am not. And he makes the, you know, he takes the tire, the old tire for show, and then he gets laughed at. And then, but that I think that's quite a good scene actually, because then the teacher. That was yeah. I was close to calling that my favourite scene actually. What the teacher said. Yeah, because he was a prick to them, but then he made this Absolute very, dick, yeah. very succinct point, didn't he? He was like, you know, 
who hears perfect. Our Lord, our Lord doesn't wear shoes. <laughs> yeah. you know, looking at him on the cross there. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, he was an absolute dick. He was one of those like power hungry teachers who asks a kid a question and then shouts at him for talking. Yeah, to give that kid schizophrenia. Yeah, I also really like the, um, you know, the bit where Angela just says, "Don't let anyone ever slam the door on you again." Do you hear me? And Frankie's like, "I do." Mm. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give the English the steam off my piss, yeah. Um, the, the listener can listen, can read IMDb for themselves, though. so it was a lot of good lines. Yeah, I, you I, like, shot I like the bit as well when um, they talk about the Pope and she's like, I feck the Pope, he can live downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah. feck him, he can live downstairs. I really liked that bit. Um, yeah. T- oh, yeah, when, when, she, when, uh, when she's sort of blaspheming and... Um, the father Malachi says uh, you could go to hell for that and she says I'm already in hell yeah, yeah. that's very telling yeah there is some very like wry cutting lines isn't there what was your favourite shot Sam I loved it when you they give when he was a teen you give confession to this 90 year old who's always asleep and half deaf and he's given a confession and it cuts to a young priest with a massive ear yeah, his ear's <laughs> huge I never noticed that the first time I watched it or the first few because I've seen it a few times because it used to be one of those films that was like on repeat for like six months on Sky Cinema that ear is massive isn't it he's huge <laughs> and it's like impure thoughts little... with beast with beast <laughs> yeah you won't miss anything yeah yeah, no, he's yeah, he's a very funny looking guy, isn't he? Um, sadly, I hope that's not his real ear. My favourite shot. Oh, I've ummed and hard about this. I've put one thing in my notes, but I think I'm going to change it. I think I'm going to go Ooh. with. You see that shot of Malky walking away from Frankie. You know when it transitions from him being eleven to sixteen, oh, yeah. and it's just his dad walking away in the rain. And you just, that's, yeah, that, that after he said the whole, you know, you know, I'd tell him I love him, but I can't, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that's my favourite yeah. shot. But, yeah, it's got some good shots in it, to be fair. It is at that point where you think, this is, it's shot so, and sort of framed so significantly, that this must probably be the last time we see Robert Carlyle in this film. And it's like, it is, yeah. the 40 to 60 minutes left to go. Yeah. There's still quite a lot of film Yeah, left. you always forget sort of that he's not in the, the third act almost, is he? That's right, all, and yeah. he's, but he's this spectre of the family, isn't it? You know, I, there was because obviously these were real people and that. So there was, um, there's, there's a, like a three and a half, there's like a four hour documentary on YouTube you can watch. I didn't watch it all. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought, so when the book came, out, I think like a channel in America did a, um, they did a, they did a documentary called. Uh, the McCourts of Limerick and it had right. all the brothers and so yes yeah, so something that's interesting I would say with this film so do you want to know a bit about what happened to them after they please do yeah. this can be like the sort of cut scene at the end of a lot yeah. of American comedies of the 80s like so and so now is advisor to President Bush <laughs> yeah. so um, what happened was so obviously Frank McCourt goes off to America. He ends up, because he was born there, he gets drafted into the US Army for the Korean oh, War. Ends up going to Germany, so he doesn't really do anything bad there or anything. He's just in the army. And then, have you ever heard of the GI Education Bill in America? Mm, it's on, a, it's in, a famous in, bill that, they, that the Americans basically gave... Um, so they said after the Second World War or something, they said if you'd been in the army, you can send you, you can go to university, 
basically. Or you can educate right. yourself and we'll pay for it all. So he used that and basically kind of talked himself away, <laughs> talked his way into a, into the, a, a university. I can't remember which one. Um, and then, so he, they basically said you have to keep a like a B plus or a B average, you know, to stay at university. So he got his degree, went off to become a teacher, did a master's, did did a year and a half of his PhD but never finished it and then um, he was married a couple of times got divorced met a woman like about oh gosh she must have been nearly I think she was 25 years younger than him or something crazy like that good lad yeah good no lad. It was, he was 59 and she was 35 what's that that is 24 24, yeah, 24 years yeah so and then she encouraged him to write about his Experience because he'd he, him and his brother, so his brothers, so Angela McCourt and her and the father, they both lived, I think, to 79 and mid 80s. Like the dad died in 84, and I think the mum died in 81. Wow. Um, so I think she was 79 and he was like 84 or something like that. Um, so yeah, they, they're, they're in the documentary as well, and you can see there's, and they, I think from the late. 70s as I said earlier uh, Frank had been doing stuff on stage with his brother talking about their childhood and the mother was uh, and they show pictures of his mother because it was recorded so there was um, one in 1979 and the mother's up on stage with them um, oh, wow. so you got to see this you know this character yeah which you know I've always thought it was a bit of a shame they never actually because he wrote a sequel called Tiz uh, about his life in America and after and it would have been interesting if they had made a you know, film. I mean, you could still do it, I guess. You know, about what happened to him as he got older, because he's he's very good at telling his story, isn't he? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But, yeah. Oh yeah. Very evocative. So yeah. Th- I mean, you could definitely do that now. Emily Watson and Robert Carlyle are twenty years older. You could do. Yeah, you know, I don't up, know if, up to twenty years after I mean, this. They said in that documentary <laughs> that they hadn't seen the father since nineteen sixty four or something. And right. the, so the, so they so he moved off to America. His brother, um, the one who goes and becomes a bugler in the army he joins him and the mother eventually moves over as well so they're all kind of I think they all end up in America essentially all the, right. all the brothers uh, which is nice um, so Sam that's that we're going to have a quick break and then when we get back we're going to do critics your rating and have a quiz and find out what film we're doing next week lovely stuff lovely To the third and final part of Please Watch This. Now, something I did forget to mention just before we go into the critics, Sam, uh, was uh, so Frankie McCourt, he died in 2009. Mm, so I saw, yeah. yeah. So, so I, was, I was wondering if he was still alive because yeah. he could be. He could be, yeah. He would be quite old now, but he could be still alive. But he's not. But I think he's, I don't know, I know that I think his middle, his younger two brothers are still alive, I think. Oh, wow. Or they were. They, I mean, they were born like in the 40s or early 40s so possibly I don't know there's not much yeah. on it yeah. anyway let's see what some critics think um, so I'm going to start with uh, Peter French and The Guardian 
actually, rather than... Not his, not his first appearance. Not his first appearance. So from the very moment that the adult Frankie McCourt voiceover unrolls uh, drolly about that most awful thing, a miserable Irish Catholic childhood, it's clear <laughs> that, that, that Alan Parker's spacious adaptation of McCourt's best-selling memoir, Angela's Ashes, is going to be a delicious, vulgar, overblown, uh, fattening, calorific treat of a film. Its sentimental excess and lengthy, unflinching grimness accumulate into a kind of sustained and entertaining effrontery of a piece with the unreliable, semi-fictional nature of the source material. That's uh, nice. I quite like the interesting use of the word spacious. It's spacious. Uh, I don't know if that just means very long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means in that context because they very much don't have much space in, no. that, in this film. Uh, they have to make space in one scene. <laughs> they certainly do, yeah. Uh, for reasons. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, he, he was a fan. He liked it. Um, what do you think Roger Ebert thought of this film? Ooh. We're going to have his... It's interesting he didn't choose his first, and we usually do a good and a bad, so maybe he was lukewarm. Maybe he gave it a two and a half. Well, I'll read it out. I'll read his review, and then I'll reveal all. Uh, So, basically, Ebert says, that whole sense of humour is uh, missing from Alan Parker's film version of Angela's Ashes, which reminded me of Mark Twain's description of a woman trying to sew. She She knows the words, but not to the music. Uh, sorry, swear, not so. <laughs> um, the film is so faithful to the content of the book that it reproduces scenes that have already formed in my imagination. The flooded downstairs in the Limerick home, the wretched family waiting uh, waiting for a father who will never come home with money for eggs and bacon, the joy of flying down the street on a post office bicycle. All of these are just as I pictured them. What is missing is the tone. Uh, the result is a movie of great craft and wonderful images lacking heart. So you were right, he did think two and a half stars. I thought Interesting. I thought Ebert would like this film. I I although I liked this more than he did, I struggled to argue against that, to be honest. Yeah. I suppose he read the book, I think, and I think the book very much coloured what he expected. He's very much the sort of critic who would have read a book. Yeah, the, that's, the why book I thought, the film. that's why I thought he'd like it, because it's that very... It's, you know, adapted from a novel, it's very faithfully reproduced. And faithfully, apparently, yeah. But like yeah. you said, I guess that's... But you know, you can do... I suppose... You can do it bit by bit, but do you capture... Yeah. Do you capture what the reader felt? Yeah, that's true. And that's you true. might for 80% of the readers, but the 20% who didn't, and you're not going to like it. And you're not going to have him narrating everything, are you, as well? No. Wearing a where in a book you're going to have, you know, the he's telling the story yeah. and he's telling you how he feels. Where on film you show how he feels. But that I, might not so, always connect. In my, right now I'm struggling to come up with a number, but I can't, most books I can think of that become films have a narrator. Because the yeah. book had a narrator and most of the great lines and most of the great insight was from a narrator. So whether it's Shawshank Redemption or this mm. film, you know, it feels impossible not to have a narrator if you're adapting if you're yeah. adapting. A, a Does book. it ever feel like... So we always talk as sometimes you use a narrator as a crutch. I think mm. this is one of those films that the narrator is necessary because of the because of what it's the story it's telling. But I don't think it's the crutch that it relies on. I agree, and I think yeah, and he's and he's not telling us stuff we already know. He's kind of stitching together. Obviously, especially when you have time jumps like you have in this film, I think the narrator is a 
a necessary thing. And I think narration done well is extraordinary. You know, Shawshank Redemption, you don't go, oh, another narrated film, fuck that. Yeah. And I suppose <laughs> you know. if, you know, McCork was telling these stories in the mid-70s, you know, he's trying to remember back 30, 40 years at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's another interesting side to it, I think. Um, mm. Again, hard to disagree with Roger, even if you disagree with him. <laughs> you know, he's he's almost always right. yes. So, Sam, the real critic, the only critic, my favourite critic, is mm. what do you More think? important than Roger Ebert. More important uh, than Roger I Ebert. Sorry, struggle to give it a number. So, yeah, how many sheep to wank to out of ten <laughs> would you give this film? Uh, I really struggled to give it a number. I think an eight. Yeah, I would I would say an eight, yeah. I would say it's a it's a good eight. It's a solid eight. It's It's not groundbreaking, but nothing's bad in this film everyone everyone like you know you were joking saying Toddumptious but at that point he's just this character who he's the right person at the right time who comes into Frankie's life and tells him what to do and it helps him immensely you know he's he's acting you know normally although I didn't you know although I did see Toddumptious all I saw was (laughs) Toddumptious I was like where is he going with this (laughs) well uh, it it happens twice in this film so you see (laughs) Toddumptious and you see Mrs. Brown as well yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I, obviously when I saw it the first no, time. Well, there's a few more. There's a few alumni. I can't oh, yeah, remember the name of the character. Oh no, the guy, the guy who was the uh, showbiz chat show kind of guy, but he's sort of a drunk off stage. And he's oh really? Oh, and then when the, when the cameras are on him, he's he's sparkly. Yeah, he was in it. I think he's the fellow who's. who's uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's the one who's uh, emptying his bucket into their uh, sewer. Oh, is that him? Like outside there. I think that's right. I might oh. be ma- I might be matching up the wrong character with the wrong person, but he was in Father Ted. Was he? But anyway, was he? yeah, there was quite a few alumni. It was funny when Brendan O'Carroll turned up, though. Because <laughs> it was so like, oh, that's Brendan O'Carroll, that's Mrs. Brown. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't be having points on the dead baby. <laughs> Coffin, you know. Um, yeah, odd. Well, I'm glad you liked it to an A. That's quite, I think that's high praise, personally. That was my... Probably yeah. rating. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those where Schindler's List was extraordinary, so I think I gave that a ten out of ten. Yeah, and this is sort of like you said before. There's, there's there are some parallels. I think Roger's right. I think that the tone isn't heartful. It's not as warm. The film isn't loving. Right. Uh, in maybe the same way that the book is. I, I haven't read the book. Sure. I think my mum had the book, so I recognise the cover, which yeah. is, I think, of the film. Yeah, uh, the I think film. It's the, is the it kids. of the film, Sam? <laughs> Jeez, he's one Irish he's film and he's, he's uh, <laughs> turned into Father Ted himself. <laughs> he was on the front cover of the book, I think, and I remember seeing yeah. that like, in the bathroom or something for years. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Right, well, let's see how closely you watched Angela's Assage with a quick quiz. Oh God! God! Right. God! God! Okay. So there was no uh, there was no subtitles, so <gasps> I'm guaranteed no to get no subtitles. More than one or two. What is? Oh my gosh! So <laughs> Sam, question one: What is the name of the second brother of the twins who dies? What's his name? Oh fuck! I have no idea. No idea. I haven't a clue. Not a, no not a notion. It, not a notion. It was Eugene, little Eugene. Eugene, yeah. yeah. He could have given me a long time and I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, apparently, yeah, the three children that die in this, they all die of pneumonia, apparently, that, that documentary right. said. And I think Eugene, the uh, Frank McCourt himself, was saying um, that they took him to the hospital. And like in the film, he dies in the bed, but I think in real life, they took him to the hospital. And right. 
when he died, the doctor said to the mum or the dad or something like, there was no need for this child to die. Do you know that kind yeah, of way? Yeah, of course. It was just, so, that's the sort of bleak sort of thing. Uh, so the narrator tells you, question two, by the way, uh, he tells you something about Limerick. What title is given to Limerick? What is it? What's it known oh, as? Oh, is it something like the most religious or the most holy town yeah. in the world? No. Or Ireland? Ireland. The holiest town in Ireland. The holiest city in Ireland, yeah, I'll give you that one. City Do you know what yeah. it's colloquially known as in Ireland? I don't think you'll Go know on. this. It's famously known as Stab City, because there was a load of stabbings <laughs> oh, God. there. Because there was a big gang war, apparently, in the for drugs and stuff in the 90s. Then they would be very holy. They li- hey, hey. British. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... Sorry to any stab victims out there. <laughs> it's, your, it's your own fault, though. Don't walk into <laughs> I'm joking. Um, obviously. But yeah, Stab City is the uh, unofficial title. <laughs> God. Which always tickled me. <laughs> I must admit, when I was young, people told me it was called Stab City. Um, what is the name of the cousin who they go and live with? Mention his name a few times. Oh, for God's sake, names. I just let all the names wash over me and I didn't see them. So the cousin they live with... What, what, um, not Lamb and Griffin? Yes. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I thought there was another one. Yeah. yeah. That's right, Lamon. Yeah, Lamon. Yeah, strange name, that, isn't it? Lamon. Yeah, I was like, this is... I've never heard it When before. he started shouting at his mum, I was like, I do not recognise this name <laughs> until I've picked up the context clues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Question four. What uh, does Teresa die of? Consumption. Yeah, she does. She dies of consumption. And I have yeah. to say, it's the saddest part of the film for me. Ultimately. Horrible, isn't it? It is awful. Um, the only criticism I maybe have of this film, maybe it's not in the book or something, is the fact that he's on the way to the sanatorium or the hospital and he's saying, oh, I'm praying to God and to keep her alive. And, you know, he, he feels like it's his fault she died and all this. Um, you know, he's feeling really guilty. And you see him riding up there, but you don't see, like, a final sh- scene with her. She just cuts and she's in a coffin. And again, that's real life, though, isn't it? If someone dies without you being there, they can't be on screen dying. No, no, but... I, in his memoir. I don't know. Yeah. It's, oh, is that the suggestion that he gets there and she's already dead? Perhaps. It's weird because he gets there and they're only having the funeral procession, so she's not at the sanatorium at all. Is oh, that a cut to oh, later I, on? Oh, yeah, I see my understanding. He's like going to the sanatorium what? and then it sort of seems to cut to him being at the funeral procession. Is that later? Yeah, I thought that was a couple of days later or something. Must be, must be. Yeah. That's what I thought anyway. I just think he yeah, just doesn't be. get there in time, perhaps. Yeah. But he's at the funeral and he's feeling really sad. And it's, yeah. Um, do you know who the actress was? No. Who played it? It's uh, Kerry Condon. Of uh, Better Call Saul fame, she plays Mike Herman Trout's daughter-in-law. Interesting. See, I haven't seen Better Call Saul, uh, so that's probably why I don't like recommend. <laughs> I did, of course, see Seamus off of Harry Potter. Yes, he plays one of the uh, brothers at a young age, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, next question. While well, I open my phone because it decided to close on me. Uh, question five. Final question. Um, what is the name of the ship that Frank takes to America? Irish Oak. It is indeed. Well Yes. Uh, three out of five, not bad, not bad. Um, could be worse. Could have been without worse. Without subtitles on the I, have a, I mean, Irish Oak did appear in text on screen. So you so that. It, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was hard for get questions for this one, to be fair. Because yeah, it's not, good. Uh, it's not a, a exposition-heavy sort of film, is it? Uh, <laughs> I've got a bonus question for you. This won't Ooh. count towards your final score. I just want to know if you can... If you, I don't even know if it's mentioned in the film, actually. What oh is the name of the river that runs through Limerick? <laughs> Famous river. Oh, so uh, famous you shouldn't know it, or <laughs> that you can't, you don't know it. The river, 
Name some rivers in Ireland, if you know any. I can't. What's what's the letter? Uh, S. No, go on. The River Shannon. Famous River Shannon. Shannon. I would have got that if 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 I was comfortable. Giving you all the letters. If I was comfortable with uh, you know dead air, (laughs) and I just sat here for one minute, (laughs) I might have got that. But I thought I'll I'll put the listener out of their misery. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well done, Sam. Uh, Thanks, that was Angela's Ashes, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. That was it. Angela's Ashes. I'm glad to be part of society with having yeah. caught up with that film. Yeah, I thought I thought I knew you'd enjoy that one. I knew, but I knew it'd be a hard one for you to watch. Uh, so, Sam, what film are we watching next week? Well, it's yet another adaptation from a book. My book from the nineties. Uh, it is the Hippopotamus. The hit- Hippopotamus, based on Stephen Fry's. The Hippopotamus. Um, what, if anything, large do you know about this film? In, uh, large horse in Latin, I think, is what the word? Hippopot- water horse. Water horse, isn't it? It is. Yeah, hippo is mm. horse. And Hippophobia is uh, horse phobia. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Okay. There we go. Give it some. some... Hippocampus means seahorse. Does fun it? fact. Because it's Because yeah. the part of the brain looks like a seahorse. Yeah, anyway, I've seen it. what, Not if mine, anything, though. do you know about it? Nothing. Never heard of it. Uh, mm. Never. Until you mentioned it to me there the other week, I hadn't heard a anything about it um, I, I googled it earlier or I looked it up on IMDb earlier um, and I see that's got Roger Allam in and I'm always a big fan of him so I'm looking yeah. forward to watching something with him in it you, you, like for a cast. while you were addicted to Twixers because he said fuck it I'm off for a Twix no that's, that's Ben isn't it who says no, that no 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 it's, uh, no that's Peter Ben Manion. that's not it's, oh I, I'm not sure Sure, if the, okay, if, if the listener wants to get in touch with us and tell us that you're wrong, it's definitely Peter Mannion okay. who says he's off for a Twix. When does How he could they do it? I'm sure it's Peter Mannion. I'm sure it was Ben Swain who goes, oh, fuck it, I'm off for a Twix. Because he's got the little sweet j- draw from when he worked there. Just, I can't, just, do you know just, what? I can't find it anywhere because they took it off Netflix. It's on that Brit box and I'm not paying for British I'm television I'm sick of that. Shows. I was sat down, to, I sat down to watch it the other day, thick of it, and yeah. it's gone. And I can't, yeah. and I can't watch it in an interesting way paying, on the internet. I'm not paying. Yeah. No, I'm not paying yeah. for Brit box. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. Do we, yeah, if they did want to. Uh, how could they? Uh, how could they get in touch with us? Awesome. If they wanted to get in touch they... with us, what they need to do is they need yeah. to g- grow up in re- unrelenting uh, rural poverty in Ireland, yeah. and uh, then wait for the invention of the computer. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe get a job where they could get access to a computer, and then yeah. they could email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail dot com, and they can tell us all about. Uh, their unrelenting misery of childhood poverty in Limerick and Ireland in the 30s and 40s. Right. I think right. that's the only way. I mean, if you know a better way, I'm all ears. Well, what I would suggest is they go on Twitter right, okay. and they find that's a link idea. to this video and they play it and at us. Yeah. Yes, I'm going for a Twix. Oh, it was Roger Allen, you're right. And if you Why want to get I in touch and really ben? rub it into Hugh's face, it's at Please Watch Pod. Yeah. You can rub Twixes into my face. I'm very much down for that. <laughs> Just I should also give a final shout out to. Dakota at ContraZoom Pod. Yep. He's made some merch. He's sent it to he us. Has. I'm going to take lots of pictures. Uh, and on he's the best pod, film podcast, second best film podcaster out there. Yeah. Uh, the after a best slot. Podcaster <laughs> <in Ireland. laughs> Joint first. Uh, uh, yeah, we love Sam, you, Dakota. I think right. we've been here too long. I think it's time to go. Far too long. Lovner. Uh, Lovner. Lovner. Listen, he's love Lovner. If your name's Lovner, Sam loves you. <laughs> that's that's where I'm into my fourth drink. Uh, Lovner. <laughs> yeah. Speak to you next week, Lovner. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Love now. <laughs>